Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. <laughs> so I'm very curious how this show is going to go because um, it is absolutely intuitively led because the woman I'm speaking to, that's her, that's her dearly do. That's what she does. Her name is Ricky Jane Adams. And she has, for those of you who are, who are really curious, she has an Institute for Intuitive Intelligence. So Ricky, Jane, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, darling woman. It's such a pleasure to be here. So, uh, so uh, a lot of my listeners know about intuition, but would you share with everybody how your life path got you to this place of uh, following your intuition? Because a lot of people aren't doing that right now. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's one thing to know you're intuitive. It's another thing to follow it and actually take the offer. So, yeah. I, love oh, I that. like that you said take the offer. That's a, <laughs> this idea of invitation has been coming up for me personally for the last two days. So I like that you said take the offer because it is yeah. an invitation. It is. And what happens when you call on your intuition and you keep not taking the offer is really interesting. And we can get into that because you're breaking the law basically of, of consciousness. So look, I had the blessed privilege of being raised in a spiritual home. So my mother is my first teacher. She works in my institute now. And so none of this was outrageous to me. All of this was so normal. I was taken along from, you know, earliest memories to see great channels at work and meditation circles. It was just part of my everyday life. And it's really interesting because my mom, uh, you know, basically I was in utero when her journey started. She walked into a health food shop to get some pregnancy supplements and found a book on, you know, spirituality and that all kicked off. So it feels really connected that she and I were sort of awakening together. But like all uh, great mother-daughter relationships, I at some point was really resistant and wanted to figure out what was true for me, like of everything that she'd shared with me, which was deep classical spiritual wisdom, there were still things that frustrated me about her, of course, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like mother-daughter relationships, but also this lack of translation of her faith and her spirituality into her daily life. And what I mean by that is she was often unhappy at that time. Now she's a completely different person, but I, I was really confused and especially as I got into my later teen years, I felt this contradiction was like, well, what does this all mean? Like, why be spiritual if your life isn't going to be great? And so I sort of went away, came back, went away, came back, did lots of my own study. But when I came back wholly and completely to my spiritual path after doing a PhD at Melbourne Uni, thinking I was going to be an academic, you know, following that path, I realized the missing piece for her and for me was the shadow work. Mm. A lot of her 
path had been about connecting to these high, incredible frequencies, but I didn't see that transforming her trauma. And I didn't see that changing her internal state of being. And, you know, as I say, since then, she's done so much more work. And I see that we have continued to serve each other. But I realized if I was going to make this my life's work, I had to figure out why so many spiritual people are unhappy, <laughs> first of all, because I was for a long time and my mom was, and this faith didn't seem to be translating into a well-lived life. And I'm like, are we just meant to be torturing ourselves? Like, is this what being woke means? We just torture ourselves to, till we die? And I didn't want that. So I, as I came into my own research phase and started the Institute, I found for myself the most powerful way to increase someone's intuition is to take them into the subconscious, into the shadow of their being and meet and release the fears that are held there. And if you do that intentionally and safely and wear a trauma informed training school, then you don't need to teach people how to become more intuitive. They already are completely intuitive and their fear is the only thing that's blocking the flow of that intuition to them. And that's what we specialize in. Uh, so I'm so grateful you shared all that. I have like five different questions, but, but, but to go backwards to the front, I guess, because um, in, in the work that I did within myself and that I do with clients is it is about facing the fears because, or, or and, or the trauma um so that you can then move beyond it because that's where the happiness lies. You can't, you can't keep ignoring whatever the traumas were, are, you know, and they could be from past life stuff that just filters in. Right. So, um, so it's interesting to me that you were, you were really seeking what was true for you. And through that questing, um, you found that your intuition following your intuition yeah. is true for you. So what do you say to people? Okay. So this is like the book. I feel like I just did the parentheses of your, uh, of what you just said, but figuring out what's true for you and then facing the fears, the shadows. And, and so what would you, what's a couple of things you would say to people of it in the beginner stages where they haven't really looked at that stuff? Well, we look at the idea of fear as a form of intuition. So we mm. often think when fear rises, it's, oh my God, something's gone wrong. You know, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, I'm having, inter you know, interfering thoughts, I'm fixated on things, something's gone wrong. I'm, and I, the question I always get, how do I know if it's my intuition or my fear? And I'm like, well, actually, it's both. So your fear is actually your intuition using this dysregulated nervous system, because usually that's what we are in. Right. And right. Get your attention. It's like, hey, Susan, you just forgot your God. You forgot your infinite and unlimited. Let's sit with this fear. Let's ask it some questions and unpack it. So it's interesting. You know, you mentioned your theme for this month is Namaste and the Hindu god Ganesha is one that I often invoke around this because we pray to Ganesha to remove the obstacle. He's yep. the remover of fears. But what few people know is in his other form, he's the one who puts the obstacle in the way. So it's like this cheeky elephant headed god is actually causing the problem in order to solve it. 
And if we look at fear as the same thing, so when you say, I don't know if it's my fear or my intuition, I say, sit down with that fear and ask it with love and curiosity, what do you want me to know? Now, this is where it gets tricky because people will go, I don't know, I don't know, and they'll be doing this. I can't tell what it's telling me. (laughs) Everyone who's listening, I'm putting my hands over my eyes. What that means is I don't want to know. Right. So, so often the problem is not that they don't know their intuition. It might be saying, you know, leave that marriage, change that job, move countries, you know, leave that codependent parent child relationship, whatever it is. And that change is so terrifying that we would prefer to go, oh, I don't know the difference between my intuition and my fear or oh, my intuition's broken or some people have it and I don't. It's a special gift. Or we'll go and like pull out our oracle cards and we'll ask 52 times until we get a card that confirms the thing that we, you know, I don't have to change. Right, right, right. Ganesha is this great symbol of like, actually, what if you saw fear rising as intuition rising. And then instead of leaving, you know, the room, getting drunk, picking a fight, eating all the wrong foods, trying to suppress that, you actually sat with the discomfort of like, oh, this hurts, but I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to leave until I know myself better. And that's where we need to begin. I love that. I, I, I absolutely love that. You just described my my journey, my inner journey, my outer journey. And recognizing that the best thing that I can do, we can do, is to face the fear because then then the fear goes, oh, thank God you're listening to me. And I've been trying to tell you, right? Yeah. And, then the, and then the intuitive uh, or the actually the wisdom of the heart can come up after that and say, and here's what you need to know. Yeah, here's exactly. the way you need to go. You clear out the it's I like that image of like boxes in the basement. If there's so many boxes like to try and work through, you can't tell what's there. You can't see the truth and the subconscious in truth is the gateway to the one mind. It's the gateway to the unified field. But it's so full of the clutter that we've shoved down there that we don't want to deal with that we we can't see that point of access to the one mind. So we're trapped in that. As you say, often um, we don't say past lives in my institute. We say concurrent lives because in a quantum reality, all time and space is one. Um, <laughs> but the idea is the same, right? There's multiple right. timelines. And we're actually serving all our timelines when we meet and release fear in this one. So we actually can change our fate and our destiny by meeting our fear. Because then if you ignore fear long enough, what happens? God or the infinite has to throw you a bigger invitation to meet yourself, right? So it'll be something catastrophic. Rather than how about every day I make it part of my practice that I get curious about even the tiniest little, oh, just woke up feeling a bit off today. And then I don't have to be hit by the tsunami of ignored fear. But so many people show up to spirituality and intuition development to try to avoid discomfort. They're looking for a band-aid. They're looking for a quick fix. They don't want to do the hard work. And that's why my book is called Spiritually Fierce and everything else I do, because That is the missing link for most people. Are you prepared to sweat for God? Are you prepared to sweat for your intuition? And most people are not. They want to buy the crystal or get the thing. What's going to do it for me? How can I outsource this? Actually, it's it's very easy and very simple and totally free. And that's why we don't want to do it. Like, 
I'll pay to go on a retreat, to go on a pilgrimage, to buy all the green juices that I'm supposed to drink and, you know, invest in all the spiritual retail therapy. But if I say just sit in the silence, the stillness and the solitude of your own being and meet the fears that are rising, you will just pay me to be quiet, right? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you just described my year of 2021 because I took the year off. I, I had a hard stop in April and I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just go silent for four weeks. And it ended up being the whole year. And, um, and I learned so much by just sitting yeah. every day in the morning, making that time. Sometimes I was quiet for an hour, sometimes two journaling. And when stuff would come up, okay, let's look at this. Like you said, be curious and, uh, and, and, approach it with love as opposed to, oh no, I can't know this because I think I, I think in my observation, it, the thing that we fear most, like you've been saying is the thing that gives us a leg up literally yeah. up into uh, awareness that there is only one operating here, the one mind, one consciousness, one, whatever you want to label it. And we are part of that. And so when we face the things where our traumas, our fears, our shame, our guilt, then we become more fully us. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And what we don't understand in this process is that we're not doing it alone. And that's the difference, right? Yes. I, I'm raising my hand because yeah. I always thought that I had to do it by myself. Yeah. My mother used to say, if you want something done, well, you have to do it. You have to do it yourself. But that's not true. Now, what, explain to everybody, Ricky Jane, why it's not true, why you're not alone. While look, and it, you can absolutely invest in in support from amazing people who are doing the work in the world like yourself. But ultimately, what it comes down to is that when you show up humbly, to okay i'm going to sit with this discomfort going to the point that you shared which is all is one so that understanding that what i do for myself i do for all so when i am humble enough to sit with my fear and release it then i'm actually doing that on behalf of all humanity and so if i want the world to change i have to stop yelling at the world and telling it how bad and wrong it is and just sit in humility with myself and that is the greatest service i can do but the reason why we're not alone is because of that unified field that quantum physics has proven. We are all part of that one consciousness. That means that everything is available to you when you show up humbly to that highest service, which is releasing yourself from the prison of fear. So all that non-local consciousness, the non-local guides that whatever language people use, the angelic realm, the personal guides, it, dead grandpa, it doesn't matter. We all think of it differently, but it's all the same. It is that consciousness of what I call super consciousness, that highest level, mm -hmm. which rushes in to support you because you are humble enough to do the work, right? So that humility to show up even when it's hard, even when it will not be resolved in one day, <laughs> even when it will not be necessarily comfortable, you are met by an energy that just says, I will hold you through this. And what we do is exactly like your mum said, in a way, you've got to do this on your own, you know, and we, we lock ourselves off 
from yes. that infinite non-local consciousness and then feel really alone. And in fact, if we just softened again, just, okay, you know, my prayer, dear God, I don't know how to do this on my own, but I'm willing, I'm open. I'm letting you in. I'm letting the angels in. I'm letting, you know, the fairies, whatever is your jam. Just be open to receive. That is the invitation that you have to put out in order for that opt-in to occur. And we're so often like, I've got to solve this. I've got to fix this. It's, you know, we, we take self-awareness as spiritual awareness and they're not the same thing, right? So that first step of okay, now I am aware that these traumas exist, this fear is rising. That's where most people stop. And then we kind of catalog all our fears and then we kind of talk about like why we're allowed to behave this way because of all this trauma and blah, blah, blah. But the next step is actually going into what I call acceptance, right? So now I am accepting, this is the way it is. I'm not gonna argue anymore. I'm not gonna argue with God or with anyone else. I had a shitty childhood, for example. I didn't, but I'm just using that example. I'm not arguing about that anymore. That is the way it is. That is what I got offered in this life. This is where I am now with that. And with that acceptance, we can soften into receiving. So this is a process that I call ARC. And in the receiving of that, I'm not doing this on my own, we must come into regulation. Hmm. And this, this is the part most of us don't get around intuition and receiving our intuition. You're absolutely right. Intuition is received through the heart. That is the center of our intuitive intelligence. If you're dysregulated, if your nervous system is fried, if you have not stopped chugging down coffee and running around like a crazy person or trying to solve everything at the level of your brain, then when that intuition arrives, which is that guidance, you know, that mm -hmm. support coming in, you won't even know what it is. You will be so like, uh, 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 that it's like you're trying to tune a radio and you can't get to the right frequency because that dysregulation is causing all that static. So then we have to regulate right? This is the part we also don't want to do. We want to go get drunk or eat something that doesn't serve us. But if we just sit even, you know, I use tapping. If people know this. I know love this. tapping. I use it. So brilliant. Most easiest, most readily available nervous system regulation, you know, calming the amygdala. It, it is just the easiest. You, all you have to do is this two fingers on the side of the hand. You don't even have to go further than that. But if you want to, there's a lot of information available. And then, you know, maybe sit in prayer for a few minutes, maybe sit in meditation, maybe sit under a tree and just notice how beautiful the leaves are. And you will come into regulation. And then your, as you say, your wisdom of your heart's intuitive intelligence can appear and you will feel confident to trust it. And then we connect, then we can open more and more and more. But if we if we are not accepting our reality, if we're arguing with God, if we're dysregulated, we're not receiving and we cannot connect. So it's so simple. A-R-C, right? Like fear is here. I accept that. Regulate the nervous system so I can receive and then connect to all of that non-local support. Yes, which is which is absolutely possible for anybody on the planet. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you are, what your belief system is. No. It's absolutely available to all of us. And the, um, the thing I found uh, powerful about the tapping, because I tend to, I'm a Scorpio, so I tend to like dive off into the emotion and run around for a while. 
And so for me, tapping helped to um, neutralize those emotions. So I, then I could go, okay, really, I'm scared. Now, what am I afraid of? And, you know, and look at what it was. I'm angry. What, why, what triggered it? What do I need? Is there anything I need to do about that? Because oftentimes there is nothing you need to do about it. You're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Worrying never made any problem better, like not a single one, but I am also a Scorpio. <laughs> so I understand, you know, I will often have to have the meltdown before I can regulate like and I'm learning and I don't judge myself for that. And, you know, this is the other side of it. We often shame ourselves into inaction, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't get it perfect, if I'm not spiritually aligned all the time, then I'm just not worthy of doing this. And so we cut ourselves off again. We're constantly cutting ourselves off from that infinite consciousness. But it isn't difficult. It isn't special. It isn't a gift. It isn't something you earn. It isn't based on how much, you know, green juice you drank. It has nothing to do with where you were born. And as you say, it's got nothing to do with what you believe in other than knowing quantum physics science right there is only one consciousness we are inherently interconnected we are connected by electromagnetic frequency that is science and so when we argue with that even that basic truth then we're arguing with our own reality and that causes suffering yeah we all know that we know things beyond the level of our five senses we all have that experience doesn't but i don't care how muggle you are we've all had that and that's simply because energy is always communicating, right? In a quantum field that is inherently interconnected, all that happens when you start to tune into it is that you can use your intention to actually attune to that which you most desire, not just randomly bump into it. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's interesting because in the frequency of, um, of energy, you know, the broadcasting, right? That what we're broadcasting and what we're receiving from a broadcast is, is that high, it's a frequency, electrical, vibratory thing. And it's, all, it's always been interesting to me from years and years, when I was in my twenties, you know, and I would feel something so certainly, and I felt it viscerally. I felt it because I, of the electrical channels that would move in my body. And I remember having a friend, I would say, you know, this is what I think, or this is so, or, you know, there's an infinite presence that's overseeing everything. And, and she would constantly challenge me. How do you know that? How do you not know that? You know, how, <laughs> I, I feel it. Don't you feel it? And it's interesting how so many people um, up until now, because I'm going to just use that phrase up until now, how so many people just shut off, you know, and I, and I really do believe that the um, process, the reason why the pandemic showed up isn't because there was death and dying and, and a virus and stuff like that, even though there was, but I think it was really for all of us to get to this place you're talking about of just sitting and listening and being connected in a quantum field, in a field that we don't see touch, but we feel because we live in it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. One of my uh, U.S. students was telling me yesterday that something like 47 million people in the US resigned over the last 12 months. And to me that they're calling it the great resignation. To me, that is such great evidence of when we slowed everything down, 
a lot of us had to be in solitude or a lot more stillness than we've ever been in, that capacity to know what is true for me, what is my intuition really showing me, meant that people went, oh my God, I don't want to live that life. That's not where I want to be. And suddenly they had that space to create a new future. Now, of course, that's very privileged that not everyone can quit their job and change their life. But for those who could, they may never have done that if the whole world had not slowed down. The distractions of travel and holidays and going out with friends and spending your money on whatever. Suddenly none of those uh -huh. distractions or, you know, ego satisfactions were available. And, you know, for me, it was, gosh, a huge process of death and rebirth that I'm still going through. I'm in another, I'm like, well, this is fun. Is this going to end anytime soon, God? It's like, well, you signed up for this, right? And that's the thing. Don't go towards increasing your intuition if you want your life to stay the same. Because intuition is the language of consciousness. We are here to evolve consciousness. Evolution means change. So you can't evolve and expect everything to stay the same. And that's what we often do. We go to a psychic or an intuitive reader because we want someone to tell us that nothing's going to change. Everything's going to be exactly the same. You're fine. You're safe. And actually, that's bullshit. Because right. the greatest evidence of success on this spiritual path is change. And human beings are so terrified of it. And we go against our own nature, right? So then we wonder why my intuition's not working or my spirituality failed me or God's broken. It's like you just no. thought about getting your ego's needs met and it's not about getting your ego's needs met no and, and it's and it is about spiritual evolution and growth and so it, it ha, ha, i hate this part but it's part of what it is is we got to go through the the trauma and the and the resolution or the realization of what that trauma brought to us in terms of learning experiences and our intuition at least in my experience, my intuition blossomed after having gone through a horrific trauma, you know, it, it blossomed several times, but I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. And so this last time I was like, I am listening to that now, not what other people say. And, and that has, that leads, at least for me, it's led me into a happier existence. It's still, I, you know, I still get tripped up all the time. And I have, like I said, I took 2021 off to sit and really decide, discern what was mine that I needed to heal and what wasn't mine, yeah. you know? It is, I think, a necessary thing. I'm about to go into six months of a semi-sabbatical uh, as much as possible, you know, just stepping back as much as I can. And it's the first time since I started the Institute. But when we're called as mystics to take that time out, you've got to believe there's a reason. And if you don't do it, you can guarantee that God's going to have to deliver something to stop you. So right. I'd prefer to go willingly. Because <laughs> yep. so much of our suffering and trauma can often be our resistance, right? So yes, we grow through what we go through, but only if we're willing. So we mm -hmm. can fight it. Or we can say, okay, I don't understand, but as I've given my life to my awakening, I'm going to assume this is part of the plan mm -hmm. and I'm going to get on board with this. And that actually can shift the energy so much that the deeper, darker experiences can be eradicated. We don't need to go into that. So we're always co-creating, right? Like all paths will lead us back to the truth of 
that we are infinite and unlimited. But we can take a lot of circuitous routes if we resist, if we put things in the way. But, you know, I often talk about this idea that we look at spiritual success in the world right now as how many followers do you have, how many book contracts, how many, you know, Botox injections have you had to stay looking like, you know, 20 years younger. We're looking at spiritual celebrity, which has nothing to do with spiritual success. But often the people whose lives look like they've gone wrong or the hardest or that they're carrying the deepest burdens are those that we can imagine are the closest to God, right? Because they have been tasked with something so heavy because they're ready, right? Their evolutionary journey means that they can carry that load. And, you know, I have a beautiful student whose third daughter was born with a rare genetic disorder, which will shorten her life and cause her to have a lot of difficulties. And within weeks of that terrible trauma of realizing, you know, it took a long time to diagnose. She was having 40, 50 epileptic seizures a day. She was mostly unconscious. They couldn't, you know, they didn't know what was happening until this woman found the depth of her deep faith, even in that. And as a result, even now, her daughter's only like four months old. She is leading from that place she is creating massive change she's going to run a marathon she's writing a book she's outreaching already because she didn't take this as punishment she took it as evidence that okay god's tasked me with this i must be doing something right and i'm not saying we have to all be carrying those sorts of loads but we get it so wrong we think that ego reward is evidence of spiritual success and it really isn't like I'm never going to teach you how to manifest something. I know that God already knows what is right for you. I'm just going to teach you how to live without fear because that is the only reward any of us are looking for. That's freedom. It's right there on your banner. <laughs> so I, I, Ricky Jane, I love that you just explained all that because this has been my daily do for 20 something years. And you said uh, spiritual celebrities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they have the secret, right? They have the secret and they're going to tell you they have the secret and you pay them lots of money because they got the secret that you don't have, but that's not ever has never ever been true yeah. from the beginning of time because we yeah. all have our inner secret or our inner wisdom, our inner ability. And, and this student you just described for her to, to, in, in some ways rapidly within four months, get to the place of this is what, this is my learning curve, my gift, my, I am, I am going to lead from this. Uh, That's a light leader. I I was, I, I was, when, when the pandemic happened, I, I, uh, my business was going and I was constantly working and blah, blah. And I, and I sat down one day and, and, and just went within and I said, what is mine to do? And I heard awaken the light. And I was like, I, I don't want to do that. Give me something else. You know? So I sat with it more and I was like, oh, I, so there's this thing of there are light leaders, not just light workers. Right. But coming out of this pandemic, there are many, many, many people and your student sounds like one who is going to lead from the light, from the light within them, not not do a hocus pocus thing of I'm a I'm a light worker and I'm going to make it all good for you. But leading from that inner 
awareness and connection that this is where our world needs to be in, in this leadership of people that constantly connect within, constantly um, do their inner work to, to clarify with humility, like you said, with love, being curious, because that's how humanity is going to evolve into the, the level, I'm saying it, I'm saying it, the level we have been meant to be in for at least two centuries, if not more, of, of love, of connection, of oneness, and not this duality. So let's talk about non-dualism. Mm, love to. As a, that was a weird segue, sorry. but No, I love it. I love it. I love everything you say. So for me, you know, non-dualism is really informed by my study of A Course in Miracles. And uh, of course, that idea is that all is one, all consciousness is one. And that we have, yeah, been taught this idea of individual identity, which is simply the ego wanting to attain things for itself. And that goes back to the spiritual celebrity, which is just the new phase of the guru culture, right? Like it's just guru, but on the internet, right? On Instagram. Um, and we still buy into it that someone else has got the power because why? It's easier. I don't want the personal responsibility of being that person. So yay, I'll let you be that person and hope that you can just make everything great for me. But that's not non-dualism. So non-dualism is the inherent interconnectedness of all consciousness. So the idea of the holograph, the part contains the whole. So I am not, you know, a tiny part of God. I'm all of God in a tiny part. And that is my job in this life to awaken that. You know, there's a beautiful Rumi quote. I'm not, I'm not the drop in the ocean. I'm entire ocean in a drop. And we are tasked with awakening to that personal spiritual responsibility that whatever I am holding within me is mm -hmm. what I'm offering to oneness. Mm -hmm. So we play in this dream of believing that we alone can get to the gates of heaven, whatever that is for us or enlightenment or attain something like without everyone else coming with us. And that's why we have the world that we have this nightmare of separation of dualism. That's not my problem. They're not my people. I didn't give birth to them, so I don't need to worry about why they haven't eaten for three weeks, you know? Not my problem. Imagine if we took everybody's life as precious treasures as much as our own babies. Mm -hmm. And if we could live like that, we wouldn't let a single person go hungry. We wouldn't let 1% of the world own 90% of the resources, you know? We would have that sense of deep personal responsibility for all life. But this individualism, this separation mentality has taught us this false reality that is causing us to perpetuate suffering. So even when I serve my clients or my students, if I imagine for one second that you are not me and I'm not you, then I'm serving from the wrong place, right? I'm, I'm serving the part of me that is currently residing in your physical being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is my perspective because then I'm not coming in to heal, fix, change you. I'm meeting that aspect of myself in you. I'm working on myself. Yeah. Because I can't. There's only one of us here. How could I possibly work on anybody else? So there's a lot in that, I know. But the idea is while we're only thinking in 3D local terms, we will never understand. When we are willing to look in that 5D or non-local consciousness, which is pure energy, I no longer see a body. 
I no longer see you as anything other than what you are in truth, which quantum physics has told us again, everything is but a vibration. There's no actual physical solid thing there. It's just vibrating more slowly. I have got to overcome that belief that things are solid matter and recognize that everything is energy everything is in motion and i am directing that energy in accordance with my vibration so my vibration <laughs> is telling the story <laughs> so ricky jane would you please explain to everybody what the 5d reality is or what what, what do you mean by that sure well, I like to keep things as simple as possible. There's a lot of different interpretations out there, but the idea is for me, 3D is local reality. What we can see, touch, mm -hmm. taste with our five senses, right? Our dominant senses. We then have 5D, which is that pure energy, pure consciousness level, which is our true nature. So as I said, we see solid matter because that's how we are at, that's our vibrational frequency. But in truth, it isn't solid. So when we start to upgrade to that spiritual site, we start to, even if we can't see it, we begin to sense that things are not fixed and solid and that everything is energy. So 5D for me is that pure energy, pure light, understanding of who and what we are so it's all still the same but it isn't solid and therefore it is changeable it's not fixed whereas we look at the world as very fixed very separate very finite so we're moving into that non-local consciousness which is where i teach people to attune to their intuition and that bridge is the fourth dimension so the fourth dimension is the bridge between non-local and local and that is thought feeling emotion imagination it's anything that collapses 5d or energy into matter so this is why we say be careful where you place your attention mm -hmm. because you are collapsing to use quantum physics language again collapsing the wave function everything's in pure potential everything's in wave everything's just energy moving you hold a thought long enough good or bad god doesn't judge and you collapse that into reality so that's the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is the bridge between the, the non-local pure energy and the physical matter. So if your thoughts, your feelings, your ideas are just chaotic and scattered and you're in victim mentality or you're raging against the world, that is what you're collapsing into reality. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen just with one bad day, one bad thought, but what are your, what's your dominant program? Are you, are you, is your program dominantly attuned to fear? Or is your program dominantly attuned to love, to possibility, to I don't understand, but I'm willing, I'm curious, I'm humble. And that's what the simplest explanation that I work with, just so we can understand how we can work with these two realms, because the 3D and the 5D in truth are all one, right? Like everything is one, but this is lower and slower. Yes, and very dense higher and lighter and that's where we want to be so ultimately you want to be able to have your eyes open and be perceiving through 3d sight and 5d sight at the same time yes oh that's a brilliant explanation thank you for that <laughs> and i remember i did the course in miracles twice i remember the first time i came to uh looking at a table and this is not a table and i'm like i don't understand or this is not a coffee cup this is not a coffee cup. I'm like, I, I, I see the coffee cup. I'm holding the coffee cup. I don't get it. But it, the, 
the change happens with what you just said of moving across that bridge. And so moving up into yeah. 5D, as opposed to constantly bringing down into yeah. our reality, the things that we were taught that may not be for our highest good. Yeah. And paradoxically, this is what most people don't understand is meeting fear is how you increase your vibration. Mm -hmm. We try to avoid that heavy feeling because we think, I don't want to focus on that. I'll get more of that. No, focus on it to transmute it back to love. Ignoring it creates the monsters under the bed, right? Mm -hmm. It creates mm -hmm. a tsunami. Fear unmet is the problem. Fear faced with courage and humility is the freedom. So we get it all backwards. We like, I'll just only think happy thoughts, happy thoughts. I'll just be all love and light. And then we wonder why our life is a shit pile. Excuse my language. No. Because we're avoiding like, <clears throat> because high and light doesn't mean uh, avoidance or bypassing of reality. It means that regardless of what's happening in reality, I'm not judging it. I'm accepting it. And I'm able to hold my frequency at that level. And I do not drop into victim, shame, guilt, fear, whatever. I stay here, even if the world is presenting a very strange and chaotic story. So it's not about getting external stimuli to like, if this happens, then I can have a high vibration. It's like, I have a high vibration. That's my set point. And then when this happens, I'm sitting at it, looking at it from a totally different perspective that perspective of infinite consciousness, right? I'm not looking at it from my limited human sight, which has this much idea of what my soul's meant to be doing. I'm seeing this tiny, tiny little aspect of my soul and thinking that I know what's best for me. I don't know what's best for no, me. No, and, and, and even when you do, <clears throat> here, I'm just gonna talk from my experience, okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, in my personal experience, my, my goal, especially after going through last year, was to raise my vibration, my attunement to a high level of love, a high frequency of love. It, it, is it has been transmuting my physical body in so many ways. I'm like, wow, really? I'm doing that now? But it, even when I drop a little bit lower out of that high frequency, it's much easier to raise back up. To go, wow, I am not happy or wow, I just was doing something mean spirited or I'm, I'm just going to love it, accept it and raise myself back up into that higher frequency so that there, it, it, it's a, <clears throat> about loving your loving yourself and loving others. And what you're talking about um, is about acceptance, just accepting what is. The, the only, at least for me, when I face my fear, I also have to accept the triggers that it set off, right? And then in accepting that, I can raise up again because it, it, it's, yeah. because I'm accepting that, that little gremlin, if you will, within me that was going, wait, wait, Will Robinson, you can't do this. It's so scary, you know, and then you just accept it. And in yeah. that loving acceptance, it, it either dissipates or it send it gives you the message it wanted you to know in the first place. Yeah. It creates change, right? Mm -hmm. You can change your state of being, but resisting it keeps it there. You keep it resistance keeps it like we people don't get that like what you resist persists yeah. i don't know probably someone amazing who said that but that is the energetic bonds that we keep ourselves imprisoned by because we won't accept 
I had this terrible childhood. This person I married is not who I thought they were. My children shit me to tears. Okay, I'm accepting this. I'm no longer gonna argue with that. I'm not gonna argue with reality because that arguing is making sure I keep getting more of that. Of the same thing. That's my invitation, right? That's my invitation, which is why we know affirmations don't work because I'm standing in front of the mirror saying, I'm so beautiful, I'm so rich. And what I'm thinking or feeling, actually, more importantly, what I'm feeling is I'm ugly, I'm unlovable, and I will never have what I need. And if that, you can't talk yourself out of that. You've got to go into that feeling and say, what do you want me to know? And that is how we set ourselves free. But you're absolutely right. It's non-judgment, it's acceptance. Then we change our state of being and then we can change the world. And asking the question, when those things come up, what is it you want me to know? Because it's all about, uh, again, uh, the soul evolving and evolving back into source with information that the souls learned on multiple levels so that the all, the one, gets to be able to hold all of it. That's We contribute to the all all the time. We are the all. Yeah. 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 Oh, Ricky Jane, thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, If people want to find Ricky Jane, it's Ricky, R-I-C-C-I-J-A-N-E, Adams, A-D-A-M-S.com. It'll be in the show notes. But again, she has an Institute for Intuitive intelligence and uh, a couple of books, spiritually fierce. Yeah. And what's your other book? There's another one. This one's just come out super conscious intuition. And that is everywhere. You can get it on all of the usual um, online book stores. Um, And yeah, I'm very excited about that one. I want to spend more time talking about that one too. Okay. We hang out again in the future. Hey, We, we shall, we shall. I'll get the book, I'll read it, and then we'll have another conversation. In the meantime, thank you again for all the work that you do. Thank you for sharing it with as many people as are led to work with you. It's it's profound, it's powerful. And, um, and I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can... See all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanborell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.